We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome, my friends, to the show that never ends. This is The Show. Now, Kevin Wheeler, Amy Marks-Cores, Chris Ranji on KMOX. Welcome into the show. We had, a, we had a little chaos there getting things going at the very beginning of the show. Welcome in, though. Uh, obviously, busy day ahead. Amy Marks, of course, Chris Ranji, Kevin Wheeler with you here on KMOX. We'll be here till 2 o'clock. A lot of different directions to go today, but to get things started, I mean, it, it, it's becoming too regular an occurrence, but we, have, we had breaking news yesterday. We're going to have to start with another topic about a shooting, this time in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It's here developing out of Tulsa. Four innocent people shot after a mass shooting at a hospital in Tulsa. It happened yesterday, the gunman taking his own life. So, again, we have what seems like a way too familiar, not only open to this show, you guys, but you know, way too familiar lead to a story on a network news. Those two things always seem to be followed by one another. And at this point... I don't know where you guys want to go with it initially, but I, I, I don't know how many more times we're going to have to have this headline before we stop saying thoughts and prayers and stop just talking about, you know, ideas and fighting over politics and all of that before somebody's going to say, all right, time, time to take action, time to meet, time to not go on a 10-day break for Memorial Day when you work in Congress. How about that? How about, how about that when people are being killed needlessly we work about fixing it rather than going off on a 10-day vacation because I don't know about you guys but I'm about done with ideas I'm about done with excuses I'm about done with platitudes and I don't know what else there is to say other than that yeah I mean you look at just over the past two weeks and look at the locations of these mass shooters you had a grocery store a church a place of worship an elementary school and a hospital these mass shooters are slaughtering our communities and killing people, those who are the most innocent, those who are the least positioned to defend themselves. I mean, the hospital, the descriptions of what happened in this hospital as hundreds of rooms and hundreds of people on various floors are trying to exit a hospital. Think of why you're at a hospital. You're in a bed and you hear that there's an active shooter. Where do you go from here? And and I think, again, we, we've talked about red flag laws. We've talked about universal background checks and what we can do 
to try to stop some of these mass shootings. And uh, people get caught up in political rhetoric and then we don't move forward. But the thing is, we need to make laws that work and then we need to enforce those laws. We we had warning signs with the Uvalde shooter. Yeah. He could have had two felonies against him. My goodness, he was shooting BBs at people, a BB gun at people. Uh, and that's a felony in Texas. He also threatened to rape girls. That's a felony in Texas. We're not enforcing even what we have. And hurting animals too, right? Hurting animals. He I mean, that, and which face. is a yeah. a huge red flag for people. Um, for for whatever reason, yeah. there's a psychology behind somebody who's young likes to hurt animals and then graduates to people yeah. because they they get a taste for it or they they can't. There, there's some thirst there, and they can't quench it. And so the next thing they do, the next logical step for them is to hurt humans. Well, and that's the thing. He had both because hurting animals or, or like when he cut his face for fun with yeah. a knife, that's not necessarily a felony. That's no. a red flag. But the BB guns and the threats, those are felonies in Texas. All right, well, so I, I have two two takes on this that, that tie into what you guys are saying here. We can't leave this to the everyday citizen to right. be policing this troubled kid. Because the only people seeing those things are teachers or parents or people that barely know him or other kids in school. And it's not their job to enforce the law. And I don't know how we get around that. I mean, like, we, we can help. All of us can if you notice behavior. But if you're only seeing one piece of that, if you've only seen one piece of one person's problem and you don't, you don't, you don't have all the dots to connect... What do you do? You, do you immediately call the police, and the police are going to say, "Okay, so you saw this. Anybody else see it? What else is there? Anything else? Do they even investigate if you call it? If you if you do something along those lines? I mean, maybe, but I mean, it it seems like we're once again not not you guys, but the 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 way that this is set up is it's reliant on all kinds of other people to do that type of work, and I don't and obviously that's not working. But I, I get what you're saying because you're right. It's not working. There's a breakdown, but there is something to be said for communities at least making these things known. Like you want that. That's the whole point why you have communities and people know their mm -hmm. neighbors and they're involved. They have to know that if they bring this information to the authorities, that the authorities are going to do something and right. not just dismiss them. Right. So I do think we do as citizens have responsibilities not to enforce the law, but we hear if you see something, say something. It is there is something to be said for communities working together. Well, there's no way for authorities to know. If people who, who know the person or who have seen something, maybe are acquaintances, to make those reports. I, I guess where one of the difficulties comes in is if we get to a point where we're doing that a lot, maybe there are so many of those reports that come through, like this guy's doing weird stuff do you, at his house. How do you sort through it, it all? Right, mm -hmm. and, and mm -hmm. so that it becomes a challenge then for authorities, whether it's mental health officials, which we don't have enough of. It's it's not funded well enough, you know. We and, and there probably isn't enough policing to do something like that. But it doesn't mean we shouldn't try. Well, it, also it doesn't, doesn't mean we shouldn't mean, do it. It also doesn't mean you don't take other action, right? Because we have all kinds of laws in in various areas of of our society where we know we can't stop. For I mean, again, we we have traffic laws for a reason. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah, you're sure you can get pulled over. Sure, you can have a problem. It, you know, if you get into an accident, you're going to get into trouble. But we have those laws anyway on the books and we have safety regulations 
about how cars are made so that you are safer. I mean, airbags, you, know, you have all these innovations, things that can be done because we know mm-hmm. that the average person is not just going to be able to protect themselves and everyone else at every turn. So where do we go in that regard? I think that that and that's the part where the politics becomes a fight because we, I don't know we've talked about it last week it's been repeated endlessly and I hate saying it because it sounds like it's just becoming uh another one of these these uh standardized statements that come out at this time we are the only one that has this yeah it's us it's the United States of America we don't th- these things are not happening anywhere near this rate anywhere else right. in the world and also what we count and don't count is interesting. You know, we're talking about these particular incidents, but there were nine people killed in Chicago over Memorial Day weekend. 47 Maybe shot. not all in mm-hmm. one place, but still. And then we, we had, what, uh, how many people in St. Louis killed recently in a in a shooting? Four? Right. And there five? Was, yeah. at, at a grocery store in Wellston, you had two women who were shot. They were innocent bystanders. Another guy was shot. There was an altercation. So we're not even counting all of those then, yes. in this conversation because they're not even getting mentioned. They get, like, those things get no play nationwide. The only thing that gets played nationwide is something that happens at a school or a hospital uh, or it's somehow different. But I mean, we, it seems like we write off other kinds of shootings because they're too common. And and I do believe we're too used to it. So to go back to the original question, when does something get done? When does something happen here? Guys, I I I feel very hopeless about that. And maybe you can talk me down from it. But I Honestly, looking at the situation and looking at how we've handled these things over the last 10 to 20 years, and I guess even really longer than that, what gives you hope that we're really going to do something serious about this? We might make some incremental steps. I know that senators are getting together and they're talking and there's a committee, but <sighs> but but the but what really is going to come from, I think nothing of substance will yeah. actually come from it until they prove me wrong. We're just going to keep doing this. I, I think the only way we move forward is people have to step back from catastrophizing the policy of the other political party and giving the, whether you're a Democrat or Republican, the benefit of a doubt that not everything is a slippery slope. Like if you start passing some reasonable gun laws like universal background checks or red flag laws. It doesn't mean we're coming to your house to get all of your weapons. It does not mean we're going to confiscate guns or that we're going to abolish the Second Amendment. And I think if there's one thing that all of Americans can look at right now is whether you are white or black or Asian or Latino, gun violence is affecting all of us. All of those groups of people were, were affected in the past four mass shootings. I mean, you know, This is every community, whether you are a small ranching town or you are in New York City. Every single American is affected by gun violence. And you you guys probably heard people heard me in the background kind of breathe deeply when I when one of you mentioned committee. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. We don't need to study this anymore. This has been happening for too long for us to be like, well, we're going to have meetings about it. We're going to have committees. We're going to study the issue. It's been 30 years. It's been 30 years since this process started, and I haven't I, I haven't done the research to say that it's it's continuously accelerating, but it sure seems like it is. This is something that is not political at all. But I think it it might help. It's a small step whether it's a mass shooting or a school shooting. 
stop saying the names of these people and stop showing their pictures. You can talk about the motivation and study the data. But listen, if we don't even show people who run out on the field because we know that it gives them some notoriety and fame. Sure. Why the hell are we doing it for mass shooters? Uh, Because people have a curiosity. They want to know what this what what did this guy look like that came in and and did this? And I don't know. I, I don't think that we get past that. All right, hang on tight. We're going to be getting to the press conference in Tulsa, Oklahoma, with the latest on the shooting there at the hospital. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Are you in on the show on KMOX? Amy, Chris, and Kevin with you here. Um, Amy, you, you've brought this up a number of times, and we've obviously mm-hmm. talking, uh, unfortunately, way too much about shootings, uh, school shooting, now a hospital shooting, and before that, a grocery store shooting. I mean, we've we've only we've only been doing this for a few days, and this has been the, basically the primary topic of the last three days. But one angle we haven't gotten into is one that you keep going back yeah. to, and I want to let you set it up. Yeah, and it's it's the issue of cowardice or bravery in those moments of great danger. And from what we know of what happened in Uvalde and the 19 officers who were armed and had vests and everything they needed, and they stood outside the school for an hour and 15 minutes while this gunman slaughtered fourth graders and teachers. I, again, from what we know... Not only was it an error in the chain of command, but how did none of those officers who are trained for these situations, who, when they put on a uniform and put on a badge, know that it means that they may die in the line of duty. Emphasis on the word duty, to go in and save the community. And to save these kids, I cannot get past What seems to be cowardice or self-preservation in this situation. And David French wrote a piece about how sometimes to do the right thing, it means you have to die. And there is a duty. And he is 
a veteran. He is an Iraqi war veteran. He saw that happen. And when you hear the stories of the moms like who were telling the police officers, well, I'm going to go in. Yeah. Give me a vest. I'll go in. Or And they were being handcuffed. One mom did get in and was able to pull kids out. After she was detained yes. for a second. And again, I don't know. How do these cops not hear the gunshots? If it's an active shooter situation, the officers are trained to go in and take out the shooter. And you had kids calling over and over again. The kids were brave calling 911, telling the operators, begging for help, telling them their classmates were dying. This, to me, is such a shameful, tragic situation. And I fully understand in 99% of situations, if you're a police officer, you, you need to be mindful of your own safety and the safety of your coworkers, you know, the safety of the other police officers. But in something like this, I, I feel like this is the contract, right? If you sign up to do that job, you are aware that there could come a time where something really awful happens and you do have to intentionally put your life on the line to go save a bunch of kids. And I know the word we heard early on, and I, and I do think that this is probably true, and I guess we'll get an extensive investigation and we'll, we'll find out more details of exactly what went on minute to minute as time goes on. But the understanding early on was that most of the killing, most of the shooting was done in the early minutes, you know, before they really could do much of anything. But as you said, Amy, there were still shots being fired from inside the room and those guys could hear it. I, I don't, and I, I know they're given orders, but we were talking about this. I mean, we've talked about it a bunch of times. We just haven't done it on the air yet. That how do you hear that and know what's inside that room and not do every damn thing possible? I don't care what your orders are. You go in there and you do what you can to stop that kid. Do what you can to stop that guy from killing more of those children. I, do, I don't know how you don't do that. Now, if that's a thing you can't do, don't do that job. Well, and, in their in their training, specifically for the Uvalde police, they went through these scenarios. Yes. And one line in that in the description of what their requirements are was, if you don't think you can do this, you need to find another line yeah. of work. Yes. That was in there like Correct. almost word for word. That yeah. if you are not willing to do this, then you need to find another. So again, I... I think, first of all, I hate that I have to do it this way, but I'm going to because if we don't, you don't want people getting rationally mad, but it's 2022. We realize this is not a categorization of all of police all officers. Police. No, of no, course we're not. We're talking very specifically, specifically what we saw on video right? Yes. and what's been discussed by the people, by law enforcement officials in Texas. Well, right? I mean, this it is to, to Tulsa. Right. The Tulsa, the Tulsa police went police running went right, right in. And they made sure everybody knew. They said, hey, we didn't hesitate. Yeah. Yeah. We went in because they know what the climate's like now. They know the criticism. Look, look, every job you do, if you're a doctor, if you're a fireman, if you're a cop, if you're a stupid radio host, you are you are fit to be criticized. No matter what you do, it doesn't matter what you do for a job. Nothing is above criticism. And I think we should handle everybody on a case-by-case basis. Is this guy doing his job well? Yes or no. Is this lady doing her job well? Yes or no. Doesn't matter what you are. It, I, and I, I, I don't like the idea of just saying, because the initial reports from Uvalde, mm -hmm. right away, there were people praising the, the work of the officers oh, and what they the did. Oh, it was the very first thing out of the first mouth. Thing. Yeah, well, there were, there, yeah, there were a few... Um, 
I think Congress people in Texas, there were a few politicians in Texas. Ted Cruz did it where they said, oh, the, 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 the bravery of the officers, whatever. And for the most part, that's true. There, there are many, many, many brave officers. But in this case, they failed and they, they deserve criticism for it and probably repercussions. What, what frustrated me about the whole thing the most was um, you see the, the, the photo from the, the Uvalde Police Department's Facebook page from 2020. They've got like eight people there and like this is our SWAT. Team. Yeah, yeah, And yeah, they've got yeah. their big guns yeah. and you can tell they've got the, you know, the armor under the uniforms. You can't sit there and and thump your chest. Look, even even our little town, we've got SWAT, and then not do anything. If you if you, I mean, you've got a town of thirteen thousand people, and you have a SWAT team, they damn well better be the ones that are going to go in right. there. Otherwise, what are you spending your money on? But What's also, the point I, yes, and but I also want to make this perfectly clear: it's not just we should not just be talking about this. We should also be talking about not putting these cops in that in that position in the first place. They should not be having to deal no, with this. No, 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 100%, 100%. The same thing with what we talked about last segment about people looking out for warning signs and all that. Yeah, there should also be protections that keep that from being put on all of us as well. There should be things in place that keep uh, people like this kid or the person in Tulsa from having the weaponry to do that. Then uh, that doesn't mean law-abiding citizens. It means these kind of people. All right, hang tight. Uh, obviously, we got a lot more to do today, more serious stuff later on. Looking forward to talking to Kyle McClellan coming up next. New podcast called The Chatter's Box in conjunction with the Cardinals and Odyssey. How about a 71-minute conversation with Albert Pujols? Mm. We're not doing that next, but Kyle did it. We're going to talk to him about it when we come back on the show. You're listening to the show on KMOX. Chris Ranji, Amy Marks, of course, Kevin Wheeler with you here. We've got Kyle McClellan, former Cardinals pitcher, joining us. Obviously, very active uh, in in his post-playing career, doing things all over the place. Brace for Impact, of course, doing great charitable work. He's been working with us for years here on KMOX as well. And he's got a new podcast called The Chatter's Box that he's doing in conjunction with the Cardinals and Odyssey. And uh, the latest episode that dropped is it's unbelievable. Uh, it's Kyle McCullen talking to Albert Pujols, 71 minutes, and you hmm. get stuff like this in the middle of it. I look at it as another home run because <laughs> at the end of the day, they came out the next day and roll right, right. right here just shut us down. <laughs> so I think it would have been more special if we were end up going to the World Series, you know, that year. But, yeah, it was one of those moments that that's why they hate me right now in Houston. <laughs> they used to love me and they used to clap for me. But after that hundred, man, they, even churches were putting sign that I wasn't work, welcome, welcome in Houston. There. Obviously, Albert, they're talking about the home runoff. Brad Lidge, Kyle McClellan with us here on the show. First of all, Kyle, thanks for doing this, man. I hope you're doing well. What an amazing conversation with Albert. Yeah, it was great. Uh, excuse the music in the background. I'm I'm down here at Bush Stadium at Fantasy Camp right now. Then nice. we're taking batting oh. practice. So if you hear any any sounds in the background. Uh, but yeah, it was great, man. We I, I caught myself uh, a couple different times during the interview, just being like, man, this is cool. You know, I played with this guy for five years um, and and had a lot of uh, I've known him for 18. But to sit here and be able to get this uh, out recorded for Cardinals fans and for people for a long time to be able to listen to. And we talked about the first episode his his early life before he even, you know, came to the United States and what that was like, how he got into baseball and how he ended up turning into the Albert Pools that we all know. And uh, so I really enjoyed, you know, being able to sit there and have that conversation with him. You know, you, you mentioned it briefly, and that's kind of what I was thinking that 
you know, you, you play with the guy, you've known him for a long time personally, but I would imagine it, it's difficult to not still be in awe of him, even though, even yeah. though you know him. Like, and I, I have a lot of friends that, that they've gone on and done really cool stuff, nothing like Albert's done, and I'm not in awe of them, but I would imagine you would be of somebody <laughs> like Albert. Well, for me, it's like, you know, this is a guy that he's one of the greatest right-handed hitters of all time, if not the uh, greatest right-handed hitter of all time. And so to, to sit there and, and be able to have that conversation with them and, you know, know him on a personal level. Uh, but, you know, it's somebody you're going to tell your kids about, you know, like I got to play with them. I got to interview him. Here's the interview that I got to do and, and my grandkids. You know, I got to interview Albert at one point and, um, you know, it was just really cool. Everything he's accomplished and, and, uh, and, and watching him throughout the years and, and to come back here to St. Louis, man, it's just, it's just such a cool story to, to be able to have that opportunity for him to be back here, be excited about being back here. And he's kind of in that reflection stage right now, you know, where um, he's kind of taking a look at his whole career probably for the first time. You know, when you're in it, you're just your head's down and you're trying to do everything you can. And I think he's kind of taking it all in and enjoying this last time around. Kyle, I know you know Albert well, but when you sit down like that, I imagine there were some stories or thoughts that he had that you didn't know about. Is there anything that you can tease that maybe surprised you in that conversation? Yeah, uh, there's a couple. There's a couple things, and uh, you know, especially the early on, that the episode one. You know, he talked about uh, he he would go to the the stadium with his grandmother and sell sandwiches for their family. And he would sneak off and forget to sell sandwiches and go watch the guys hit and take batting practice. So I think that's just, you know, I think when, when you see Albert, you think, like, he's always a superstar, right? Like, when he was eight years old, it was like, he's going to be the greatest player to ever play the game. And that's not the case. I mean, this is a guy that was, you know, came up with a, a, a family that was struggling and, uh, and did everything he could to help his family and, and, uh, and then found, found the love of, of baseball. He tells the story of how he found baseball. He, he thought boxing was going to be his, his deal. Uh, and he learned real quick by an older kid that beat him up. That's not what he was going to do. Uh, so I thought that was pretty interesting. And then the, the second episode, you know, when you, when you hear him talk about the Brad Lidge home run and how much it meant to him, uh, I, I think a lot of times when he answers that question, it's, yeah, you know, I got a good pitch and put a good swing on it. And um, one thing he said in there was every time he goes to Houston, he sits in the same – he talks about his preparation for that at bat. And, uh, and, and he, he still, every time he goes to Houston, he said he sits in that spot and, re- and remembers it on the bat rack. And so that tells you it was more than just got a good pitch and put a good swing on it. That was a, that was a career moment for him. And this is a guy that goes to Anaheim when he's with Anaheim, he's in Houston three times a year. And you tell me he sits at the bat rack, you know, every time there, because it doesn't mean anything. Uh, you know, you can, you can tell that was a big moment for him. You know, you mentioned a guy who, it's not like he was this prospect everybody knew was going to become right. a future Hall of Famer. And he does tell the story, and I'm not going to go into details because I want people to go and listen to him tell the story about him thinking he's been cut, you know, right before yeah. spring training <laughs> comes to an end. And it's, just, it's really amazing to know what the what the history is after that. Yeah, and, and for me, it was it was cool because I've been in that exact same, like when he was telling the story, I was like, this was exactly my experience in spring training. You get down to the end, the locker room on the one side of the locker, uh, the locker room starts to thin out. And you're like the only, the only jerseys over there. There's a couple guys left. And every day you walk in thinking today's the day I'm going to get sent down. And, uh, and you get a big moment and you, you, an opportunity, you do well and you kind of wait and see. And then you come in and have, you know, your, your locker's not there and wonder what's going on is, uh, you know, a lot of emotions going through your head. And um, as a rookie, you don't have a lot of leeway to go and, you know, 
uh, ask what happened, why did I get sent down, or start looking around too much for your locker. So you're, you're kind of in a tough spot, and he kind of goes through that story of how he got through it. Kyle, when I ran into you at the ballpark the other day, you, you were just wrapping this kind of thing up, and you, we were, you just gave me a brief kind of overview of how this went. And what struck me listening to you then, and what strikes me listening to this interview with Albert now, is for all the years that he was here and all the time that, that we covered him, the toughest time to get him to talk was when you needed to ask him about him. He didn't like talking about himself. You know, he'd hit, yeah. he'd hit two home runs, but he'd be like, no, 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 it's not about me, man. It's yeah. about the team. Yeah. And it's about, you know, hey, Wayno, Wayno was great today. And, and you know, McClellan <laughs> did the job in the pen. I, I, I think that's what's so fascinating to me about the, this being as long as it is, because he usually does want to talk about the group rather than about himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and he did that a little bit in there. You could tell he went to other other areas and other guys you want to talk about. But, but I think, again, he's in that reflection area. And, and when he first came in, I had 20 minutes to interview him. And I just said, Albert, I, I can't do 22 years of a Hall of Fame career in 20 minutes. <laughs> and so he said, he said, what do you want to do? And I said, I'd like, this is what I want to do. I want to focus on these three areas. And, and he said, how long do you need? I said, I need another hour after today. And he goes, no problem, I'll come back. And wow, so he wow. un- I think he understood. Um, and, and, and maybe at some point, point I kind of appreciated it you know because the way I look at this is when he goes in the Hall of Fame this is something the Cardinals can play or Camo X can play and say hey here's a kind of a a, a, a bio of this guy and his whole career and um, you know something that hopefully is going to be used for for a long time here by Cardinals fans. Kyle I don't know if he talked about this or you asked about it but one thing that stands out in my mind was even when Pujols was not with the Cardinals and then he returned to Bush Stadium you have him hitting a home run against the Cardinals and the fans <laughs> are giving him a standing ovation and he takes the curtain call and if anything is illustrative of just what he meant to this city that had to have been yep. it. Yeah so I, I did ask him that I asked him I said when you came back Finally, after like 30 years when the MLB somehow didn't arrange a game for us with that. But when you did um, and, you, and you got that ovation, did that, did that open the door for when you uh, it ultimately came back? And he answers it. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. He, he talks about it and, and, and gives a, a kind of surprising answer to me uh, in, in how he went about it. But, yeah, he, he definitely addresses it and, and talks about what the city meant to him and and how he's always um, always felt like he's been welcome here. Kyle, by the time you joined the team, 2008, right? That's that's when you got in yep. with the Cardinals. Yep. So I, I have to imagine by then, because the 05 thing already happened, the Houston thing already happened, and we're, what, seven, eight years into Albert's career. By that point, mm-hmm. as a young teammate, he he must have been a leader, if not by example, but also by by teaching was, was he like that with you was he like that with um a, a lot of the young guys on the team at that time he was always good to me and that's when i was uh in in the minor leagues and and worked out with some of the guys here in st louis he was always good to me um and and then when i got to the big leagues the position players and pitchers usually don't reach across lines you know you position players kind of stay together pitchers kind of do um but albert would he would sit there and talk to you and and if you went to him and said hey i'm wondering about this or if he'd noticed something he'd come up and and talk to you about it so i mean he's definitely got you know i, I look at uh, the other day he hits that that uh walk-off sacrifice fly and and i'm watching um you know libertor and gorman and and uh, some of these younger guys that are on the team yep and all these guys come up there and it's like man how cool is that that this guy uh, you know they're just like man i mean they got to be like in awe of this guy you know i mean he was unbelievable when he was here don't get me wrong but this is you know 12 years later yeah. than that and 
he's still putting up numbers and, and uh, you know, just built his legacy even more and more. And for these guys to be around that, and he's in the locker room and the dugout with him, chatting with him, like, that's got to be such a cool experience for them. I got to believe it is. I mean, like, when he was here, when he his last year in St. Louis, those guys were 11. Matthew Libertor yeah, right. and Nolan Gorman were 11. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a little different a little different view. Uh, and, and, to, and to close here, Kyle, I wanted to get one, one quick Albert story from you. If, if you remember it, you may not have this memory, but one of my favorite things about covering spring training are the early days of live BP because the hitters hate all of you guys so much because you're so yeah. far ahead of them. Did, did you, like, early on, whether it's your first spring or that, did you get that moment where you're facing him and you're like, holy crap, <laughs> there he is. Well, when... Don't when hit I was, him. When I was, yeah, when I was young, they didn't let me anywhere near that green. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, had earn, you had to earn that you could throw strikes. But I did have a funny story. Yachty was catching me, and Albert, it was the first time I ever faced him, and uh, Yachty called a curveball. And those guys, normally they're just kind of tracking, right? They hardly even swing. And right. so he calls a curveball, and I throw it, and Albert, he, like, screamed and, like, ducked. And Yachty was telling him the pitches and he crossed them up and told him it was a fastball. So this thing comes right at his head and then it ducks in and Albert, he, they get up and they get in like a fist fight in the, in the, uh, in the moment. And I'm laughing because I'm like, I just buckled Albert, you know, like I'm not going to tell anybody the other part of it. I just buckled him. Hopefully somebody got on camera, but, and then I'm like, Hey man, you always telling the guys what's coming. Like, and then I'm mad at Yachty, you know, like you've always been giving them the pitches. Cause you know, I'm out here trying to get my confidence up. So it was, uh, <laughs> That was the one and only time I think I ever faced I ever faced Albert. Really, really. Well, you were a strike thrower. Yeah. I'm actually surprised that it wasn't more often. You know, there are a few of the young well, dudes back then that they were like, yeah, yeah they didn't no know way. early on. <laughs> early on, they don't. They, you got to. It takes you a couple of years to get the trust to face that group. All right, Kyle. <laughs> we we've been tweeting out the links to the Cardinals YouTube channel uh, where the the chatters box is being hosted. Are there any other places you'd like people to go to find it to check them out? And do you have yeah, anything you yeah. want us to know about with regard to brace for impact or anything coming up? Yeah, you can you can listen to it on any platform. So if, if uh, iTunes is where you get it, uh, Spotify, all the all the podcast platforms, you can get it on Chatter's Box. And uh, today we're dropping Yachty and Wayno's interview, and then tomorrow is going to be with the manager. So we got a good run here: two episodes of Albert, and then Yachty Wayno today, and then um, the manager tomorrow. And, so you're uh, coming back you know, on Monday to do this again with us about those guys, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if, if we have to, we can do it again. <laughs> <laughs> also, have to. yeah, yeah. I mean, if it's yeah. mandatory. Also, you should know we 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 are going to steal your interview, and we're going to play the whole thing at some point. Uh, Just I so you know, it. I think it's great. Yeah, yeah, I'm down for it. Good. I'll tell you what, it's going to be. It'll be rain delay material during a Cardinals game. Oh, at that's some pre- point. yeah for you. That's exactly yeah. what it's going to be at some point. Kyle, thanks so much, man. The, the interview is great. Looking forward to hearing the others with 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 Yachty and Wayno, and obviously those three in this historic season. Uh, a lot of stories for them to tell. We're actually going to talk to Wainwright coming up in about an hour and a half. Uh, so we'll mention that, uh, that that's coming up again a little bit later on. Have fun at Fantasy Camp, man. We'll see you at the ballpark soon. All right. Thanks, guys. You got it. Kyle McClellan. Uh, and again, you find Kyle on Twitter at Kyle McClellan 46 at Brace for Impact 46. Um, I tweeted a link to the Cardinals YouTube channel. And mm-hmm. as you mentioned, you can get those uh, podcasts, the Chatters Box, on all of the services that host podcasts. And what's great about Albert? Is he's so good at wanting to talk now? Like you know, he's he's at that part of his career. He just wants to talk. I love it. Well, <laughs> Chris Ranji. Now what do we do? Never Chris mind. Ranji, uh, Amy Mark scores. Yeah. Kevin Wheeler with you yeah. here. 
obviously, we don't have a whole lot of time here. We went a little long with Kyle McClellan, but obviously it was great stuff. And we'll revisit some more baseball uh, with Adam Wainwright coming up at 12.15. He's got a cool event coming up that uh, benefits uh, the Big League Impact charity that he started up. And, of course, it's Cardinals-Cubs this weekend, too. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll, we'll get both of those things in with Wayno coming up a little bit later on. Uh, and, you know, this, this, this is a, an, an interesting and important weekend, right? I mean, the Cubs aren't particularly good. Right. But you've got five games in four days. And, you know, you've got to figure out you're pitching in all of that. And you're just coming off, of, you know, the playing the three days before. So, and really, actually, it's it's more than that. Because, you know, you're playing straight through the week. So you don't have off days. You've got five games in four days. Uh, it's going to be, I think, going to be an interesting challenge. And I'll be curious to see what they do with the pitching on the doubleheader. Um, mm-hmm. They'll certainly bring somebody up, a 27th man from from Memphis. But it's going to be interesting to see how they handle the doubleheader on Saturday, too. Well, you know, Kevin, when these two teams get together, you just got to throw the records out the window. Would you stop that? What? <laughs> what? What? You know exactly what you're doing. It's true. Stop it. When the Cardinals and the Cubs get together, mm-hmm. I mean. Does it now... Maybe it's because we haven't gotten things going yet. Maybe it's because I've been distracted, like trying to get ready for a new, the new show, and you know this one that we're doing here. Not another one. I'm not leaving. No. As much as you want I mean, that, that would to be, be the case. Something. As much Jeez. as you want that to be the case. No. And the name um, of it is a new show. But I haven't felt. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't felt the, for that creative. I haven't felt the buildup to this series. Like I haven't felt like there's been any anticipation to it. And I, again, I wonder if it's just we know the Cubs aren't particularly good. Uh, the Cardinals have had their own concerns, and also they're playing really well right now, so we're focused on the Padres series because yeah. they're good. I don't know what it is. It didn't feel it, but maybe it's going to start to feel out later on tonight when the game gets ready. I mean, maybe it's because you just got done with a stretch where you're playing Toronto, really good team, yeah. the Brewers, really good team, the yeah. Padres. You know, maybe that's it because you just went through that, what was it, seven games? No, uh, nine games that you played against some pretty good ball clubs. And you're not really thinking much about the Cubs who are not very good. And I don't blame you. I, I don't blame anybody for not being worried about this I think series. It's more even just though me though, being distracted. It's probably your I think fans are probably a little more like fired up about it, Dude. like you know, anticipating it. And you're so mad about video games. We'll get to that later. Stop oh. ruining yeah. everything. We'll talk about that later on. I'm not mad at them. They just make me mad. It's the same thing. (laughs) No, it's not. Chris Raji, Amy Markscores, Kevin Wheeler. This is the show on KMOX. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.